Good morning. This morning as we are in Communion Sunday, we are going through the, a series on Communion Sundays only of the Lord's Prayer. Because I need it. When Jesus gave this prayer, it was not something that was just to be recited mindlessly. It was something that was to invite us deeply into His life. The kind of life that He shared with the Father, we are invited into that life as well. The disciples watched Jesus pray and they thought, well, we want some of that. We want to know how to be able to connect with the Father in the same way. And Jesus says, if you're going to pray in a meaningful way, use, these, use this as a framework for understanding that. So, in keeping with that, let's all stand. We're going to recite the Lord's Prayer together. If it's working. There it is. Alright, everybody see that? Alright, let's go. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We are taking one of those phrases each Communion Sunday. I want to begin with the question, are you in a battle this morning? Anybody here in a battle? <laughs> yeah, many of us are, aren't we? There are many images to the Christian life that are used in Scripture. Oh, I love the sound of that. <laughs> Sorry, I just I went to my happy place there for a moment. <laughs> there are many images of the Christian walk. There's the image of a journey which a journey communicates many things to us. It can be a smooth path, path. It can be filled with ups and downs. And if you're like my wife, she loves switchbacks as she hikes through the mountains. Um, the, power, the path is often narrow and it's flanked on either side by sheer cliffs. All of those come to mind when we think of the journey. There's also the metaphor of the race. The race. Paul uses this many times or a number of times and it calls for us to stay focused. It calls for us to persevere. It calls for us to make sure that we say, you know what, I don't want to just run the first mile of this race and then just kind of duck out and make my camp here. Instead, I want to take and I want to make sure that I run the race and that I finish this race, that I cross the finish line. There's a third metaphor that describes the Christian walk and it's that of a battle. This was one of the more common metaphors that Jesus used to describe the Christian walk. Now, why is that? Jesus knew this reality, this metaphor, the reality of this metaphor, probably better than anyone else. Than anyone else. From the beginning of time to the end of time, we see that there is a battle being waged. There is no notable person within all of Scripture that did not have to endure some battles along the way. So it's not surprising that the final stanza of this prayer says, Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus knew what we often forget in life, and that is that we have a very powerful and determined, and I would even add a very strategic-minded enemy that confronts us every day. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says this as he's winding out this incredible, incredible letter 
to the Ephesians and other churches. He starts out with talking about where our position is in Christ and how blessed that is. And he goes into how we walk this life with one another. And then he ends it with this, this statement, this phrase. He said, for our struggle, or literally our wrestling with, our wrestling with, is not against flesh and blood, your husband, your wife, your friend, your employer, your boss. It's not against them, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Now some of you may be thinking, but Martin, when I'm in the midst of this wrestling, it sure feels like my opponent has a name and a face. And sometimes, even in our marriages, we may think to ourselves, hopefully we don't ever... We don't ever uh, voice it, but when we're wrestling with our spouse, we think, darn, man, I feel like I married the devil. And that's not the case. That's not the case. How does this whole thing work? How does this powerful and this determined and this strategic enemy come against us in many ways? I just want to point out a couple, and that is this. The first one is this. He comes against us in the areas of our personal vulnerabilities. He knows where I'm weak, right? He knows my strategies. He knows the things that I run to when I'm having a tough day, when I'm having a tough time. He knows the, the lies that I believe. He knows my anger. He knows where my buttons are. He knows my jealousies, my defensiveness. And He knows how to capitalize them on, such, on them in such a way that when someone pokes my bubble and I go to some of these defaults and that anger or that, that rage or whatever it may be or that escapism, whatever it may be, he pokes my bubble and when that happens, he knows how to capitalize upon my vulnerabilities and make me feel okay about it. That's what he does. Well, that person deserved it. He knows how to make me feel right and righteous. So He capitalizes upon my vulnerabilities. He lures me through temptation. Again, He knows my sinful desires. He knows what I go to to escape. Alcohol, eating, big burgers. Yeah, I had chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes the other night. I hadn't had that in a long time, but it was my anniversary. I wasn't escaping. I was indulging. He knows, he knows, where, we, he knows where we like to run to. And in the midst of running to it, he tells us the lies of don't do it or do it. <laughs> don't do it. That's what I tell you. Uh, do it. No one will ever know. If you indulge in this private moment, it's just that. It's private. And no one will ever know. Do it. And it will give you what you really want. It will give you that release and no one will ever know. It will give you that moment of indulgence and no one will ever know. For one moment in time, it'll make you happy. For one moment in time, it will make you feel satisfied. Do it. After all, even if you get caught, even if you feel a little guilty afterward, there's always grace and there's always forgiveness. Right? So just kind of indulge now and ask for forgiveness later. Do it. Because there really are no consequences. There really are no consequences. How many of us have heard the lie, it's just a private, personal sin? 
no one will ever know. No one will ever be hurt. The devil and his strategies and his minions will never tell us the true cost of the consequences. He will never, more importantly, he'll never tell us the true power that indulging in these sinful desires, how those indulgences will corrupt our souls, how they will enslave us. He'll never tell you any of that. He'll just say, do it. Don't worry about it. So he lures me through temptation and he keeps, he knows my personal vulnerabilities, but also he assaults me through trials that when bad things happen to good people, even myself, he makes me question the very character and the very identity with God and says something like this, you'll wonder, if God really loved me, why did he let this happen? And behind that is the lie of he's not trustworthy. He's not trustworthy. He assaults me through trials. We are confronted, folks, on a daily basis by a powerful and determined and very strategic enemy. And he knows where to push our buttons. But here's the good news. A greater and more powerful ally surrounds us. A greater and more powerful ally, He surrounds us. He's known as my Father. And He tells us to pray. And when Jesus says pray in this way at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, it's what's called an imperative. He says do this. Do this. Pray in this way. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. This enemy that surrounds me. This powerful, this determined, this strategic enemy that's, that confronts me on a daily basis. He says, pray this way. Deliver me from the evil one. Now what does deliver me mean? What does that mean? Does it mean that if we pray the prayer, that if we pray that prayer, when we pray that prayer, you're taken out of the battle? Does it mean that if we pray that prayer where we just get sort of that deliverance and we are given a little R&R on the weekend? No. We know from Scripture that that can't be the case. For we looked at just a couple of weeks ago the situation where Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that when you have returned... What's that mean? It means you're going to go into battle. Well, why didn't Jesus deliver him? Why didn't Jesus just kind of lift him out of that and say no to the devil and say, no, I've got this. You cannot touch him. If deliver me means to, to give me, lift me out of that battle, why didn't Jesus do that when Jesus himself was praying for him? Because it doesn't mean that. Deliver me is not sort of this trophy, this immunity. What do they call that? A survivor immunity trophy? Come on, you guys watch it. I can't hear you. Immunity idol. There we go. I, I was waiting for some confession here. All right. It's not a call. It's not an, an, an immunity idol or a call for or a call for immunity. Instead. Deliver me is a call for humility. 
It's a call of humility. See, the very word for deliver means to snatch and to drag out. It's a very violent word. That's what it is. It's a very violent word. It has a very violent image to it. I have this image of a soldier getting shot on the, on the battlefield and his buddies go out under fire and they grab him and they pull him back. That's what snatch means. It means that someone is in desperate need of help. When we have this cry of desperation, it means we are admitting to ourselves and it's admitting to, admitting to God that in the midst of this battle, Lord, I've gotten myself into trouble. I gave in again. I gave in again. Father, I need Your help. For I've been sucked in. Deliver me, Lord. Deliver me from the very thing that's destroying my soul right now. Because, you know what, Lord? I can't do it. I can't do it. Right now, I've gone down this path, Lord, in the midst of this battle. I believed the lie. I gave in to the lie. And Lord... I am all bound up in chains. And there's not a thing that I can do to change that. See, that's the part that the devil will never tell you. Is that when we give in to the lie and we give in to our vulnerabilities and we run into that that battle and we say, you know what, I'm just going to go to the other side. You know, I'm just going to kind of check it out. I'm just going to enjoy a little, little time of peace. He'll never tell us that when that happens, it wraps us in chains. And the person who cries out, deliver me, is someone who has done that very thing. They've been sucked in once again. And in this room, in this room I know that there are many today who have been dragged, need to be dragged out of something. Because I know you and I know me. I know me. It could be destructive habits, thinking, addictive behavior, fear. Everyone is weak. And the person who says, I'm not, is lying to himself or herself. Jesus says, pray. Pray. Deliver me from the evil one, Father. He tells us to do that because He says, I know you. You're going to need this. I know your enemy. He's not going to give up on you. And I know you. I know you. Jesus. He fought that enemy Himself. He fought that enemy Himself when He was in the middle of the the desert. He fought that enemy himself. But Martin, I can handle it. I can handle it. You have no idea. If that's what you think, you have no idea how far in over your head you are. If you're thinking about going down that direction, you have no idea how far over your head you're going to be. He says, deliver me. Pray this way. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. It's not only a call for humility. Deliver me is also a call to fight. And to stand up and say this. I will not believe the lies. 
I will not throw in the towel and I will not settle for mediocrity in this Christian walk just because I'm tired of the fight, just because I'm tired of the walk. It says I will stand up and fight and I will fight against those desires which rage within me that I know that if I give in to them, they will corrupt and they will destroy my soul. Deliver me is a call to fight. It's not just a call to humility. It's a call to fight. Why is that? Because far too often we choose to sin. Not because we got dragged into sin by someone else, but because we got drugged into sin because of our own desires. Seldom do we ever go into sin kicking and screaming. Right? Anybody here ever do that? Go into sin, into temptation, just kicking and screaming, I don't want to do this! No, I just kind of put that part of me to the back. (laughs) I just say, I want to do this. Why? No one will ever know. There are no consequences. Hey, if I even get caught, there's always grace. There's always forgiveness. Y'all agree? Shake your head if you agree. Oh, come on. Some of you aren't shaking your head. I know the sin nature. Seldom do we ever go into sin kicking and screaming. I, I really, I'm, I'm saying seldom because I'm giving some margin for error. I've never gone into sin kicking and screaming. Deliver me is a call to fight. This says, I will not believe the lies. I will not throw in the towel. I will not settle for mediocrity. Instead, I will fight. I will fight. Deliver me is also a prayer. And this is Jesus' point because this prayer was never intended to be prayed simply alone. It was intended to be prayed in community. And deliver me is a prayer that is best prayed in community. Does that scare you? Does that scare you? Thank you, Stan. It's best prayed in community. You know, when we go to pray, if we, if we have the opportunity to pray that prayer, we think, oh, before we ask someone to pray for me in this way, I need to be delivered from this battle because I gave in. We think, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to say about me? And you know, you really got to ask the question. That's really an identity issue. Because you think that what other people think about you determines and defines who you are. They're going to think I'm a loser, so therefore I must be, and I must protect that at all costs. However, healthy is the person who understands this. I don't really care how much you know about me. It does not determine who I am. Instead, I am who I am. And my actions, while they may betray who I am, 
They do not define who I am. Jesus defines who I am. And He says, I declare you holy and blameless in Jesus. I declare you to be His chosen one. Adopted as His sons and as His daughters. That is who we are. Our actions do not betray... Excuse me. Our actions may betray that, but it does not define that identity. And so therefore, in the healthiest of all places, in the healthiest of all worlds, just because I get stuck in the middle of this battle because I went running into the temptation, just because of that, I can stand up and say, yes, I blew it, but that is not who I am. I can say that is not who I am and that's not what I want to do, but I did it again. That's the glory of understanding that our identity has been declared by God through Jesus Christ, not by me through what I've done. That is critical because if we think that our identity is defined by what we do, then we will make sure, come hell or high water, that no one ever knows what I've done. And I end up playing, not the posse, um, poser. There we go. I end up being the poser. And we live on this front stage reality of our lives for the sake of what other people might see. And we keep the curtains closed tightly to the backstage, which is who we really are, which is real the, where the real mess is. Okay? So understand that. Deliver me as best prayed in community because everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody to be praying over them, to be praying with them because every one of us goes through days or seasons where we are in the midst of a battle. Paul understood this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and following, he writes to this church, a very, one of the very first letters of the New Testament, a church that he planted in Thessalonica. Very, very special people to him. And he was only able to be there about maybe six months He got torn away and he talks about that. He's deeply concerned about them. And he says, brothers, when we were torn away, like a a mother is torn away from a child, we were torn away from you for the short time out of our intense longing. We made every effort to come and see you. Why? Because Paul was convinced that they were toast. Paul was convinced convinced that they were going to fall in the midst of this battle. For we wanted to come to you again and again and again. Certainly I, Paul, did. But, and this is what really ticks me off, but Satan stopped us. And the Greek idea behind stopped us, it has this imagery, it's a military term. In order to hold the ground that had been captured, the defending army would tear up the roads and the bridges in order to stop another army from coming in and rescuing their people. Satan is saying this, this person, this 
territory. This battle is my territory and no one's going to be able to come and get them. That's the imagery of what he's saying. Satan tore up the roads. He tore down the bridges so that I couldn't get to you. Because he wanted to declare you as his own. As his own. And God makes it clear that Satan's committed to trying to destroy the church of Christ. Satan is committed to trying to destroy the church of Christ. And Satan is committed to trying to destroy this body of believers. And we're fools if we don't understand that. If we don't get that. So when, I could, so when we could stand it no longer, Paul writes, we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be settled, unsettled by or in the midst of these trials. The imagery is there, there is that of a, attaching a metal support to the spine of the individual so that they could stand up straight even when under pressure. And he is saying to them, I'm attaching Timothy to you guys. Why? Because everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. These battles, folks, are real. And they're happening all around us. How many of you have ever had someone who come alongside you in the midst of your battle just at the right time? Anybody here? And you had the courage to tell them what was going on. And as a result of that, as a result of that, you were able to stand. That's exactly what Paul is referring to in this passage. That's what it is. That's what it is. I want to invite a dear brother up who is, uh, has just gone through some real battles just recently, actually for quite some time. For quite some time. And I'm going to use this mic here. I don't know which. We'll use the cordless, okay? I want to invite Rick McKinney to come on up. Rick started attending this church about a little over a year ago. And uh, he just has, he's, he's one of those guys that's just in the midst of one of these battles. And he's been fighting it for a long time. And uh, he told me last week, he says, Martin, I want to tell, tell some stories. I want to tell where I am. So everybody say hi, Rick. Hi. All right. Well, I'm going to say that last month, I was in the hospital, and, and uh, the doctor that was overlooking me asked me to do a timeline of my life, and I did. And I told, you know, like in my uh, late 20s to early 30s, I was a drug addict. And, but I got myself cleaned, but then I started to drink again, because you know you got you go through a depression from that, and alcohol was taking away the depression. 
But then I stopped drinking alcohol, and I was all right. And then uh, last last year, I went ahead and uh, tried to, tried to kill myself. I was in a coma for three days, and my doctor asked me why. How come you survived? And I go, I guess God wanted me to. That's it. Amen. And you just got out of the hospital? Yeah, again. Correct? Right. Okay. Rick, what, what was it that drew you, first and foremost, to this church? Um, driving by it for a little while. And then the church called out to me to, to attend it. And... Uh, I did. Mm-hmm. How many of how many people have known about the the battles that you've been fighting? Um, I know you have, and I think Dave knows the battle I went mm-hmm. going through, and I think Robert knows too a little bit. Yeah. How can we be praying for you? Um, the medicine I'm on is really working good about that. So I would say pray about my medicine to keep me going. I don't. Um, Anything else that you want to share? I think that's pretty much about it. Okay. It took a lot of courage for him. You know, when we were talking about it. <laughs> He, um, when we were talking about it this last week, he was just shaken. <laughs> I says, don't worry, I'll be right with you. And uh, he just got out of 18 days of inpatient um, care up at Fairfax uh, Behavioral Hospital up in um, Kirkland. And uh, he's doing well. He's doing well. Um, however, yesterday he was doing some work around here. and no, Friday. Friday he was doing some work around here and he was carrying a, a block and he tripped on a stair I don't know what it is with our stairs around here, and went face first. So I told him, I says, no more carrying blocks. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, Rick, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, you've been very open with me, and I know that you live a very open life. And uh, I know that you're really working to trust Jesus. And my prayer for you has been, Lord, give him exactly what he needs for that point in time to be able to continue to press forward. Um, Lord, deliver him from the evil one. Um, and we are here as your brothers and sisters in arms to stand with you as best as we can. So we love you and we appreciate you. Let's pray for you. Father, we lift up to you, Rick. And Lord, I just pray that you would do a mighty work in his life. Lord, set him free. Set him free, Father. He is a, he is a man who, is, who has spent his life caring for the the needs of others. And Father, that has defined him. And now he's trying to learn what it means to live as your son. And Lord, to uh, take care of himself. And we just thank you for his ministry in this church. We just thank you for how he's always been so faithful in wanting to help and wanting to greet and do whatever he, want, he needs to do. And Lord, we thank you for his life and we commit him to you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to help you downstairs, all right? (laughs)
Oh, I, I just... <laughs> there we go. Okay. These stairs are making me nervous. I've almost fallen off them a few times. You know, all of this is just by God's grace that this takes place. All of this is God's grace. I wish God would say, if you pray, deliver me from the evil one, all of a sudden you'll be taken off of this, out of this battle and be placed in Hawaii. <laughs> I, I can do that. I, can, I, can, I could go there. But you know, that's just not reality. We have a very powerful and a very determined enemy, but we have an ally who is far greater and more powerful. And he is the one that we are to reach out to. But we don't do that by ourselves. He says, never did I intend you to do this by yourself. That's why he has called us into the church, the called out people out of the kingdom of darkness, and the called together people in Christ and with one another. Father, we thank you for the grace that you've given to us to be able to even enjoy one another. And Father, sometimes call out to one another and then see you do great things. Lord, I would ask that you would give us the courage to be able to call out to you with another brother and another sister. Knowing, Lord, that what we have done does not define us. Your declaration and the work of Christ is what defines us. So Father, may that be our assurance. May that be our joy. Father, may that continue to be the grace that penetrates the deepest core of our soul and of our relationships. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. One strategy I did not mention that I want to mention just real quickly as we prepare for communion. Excuse me for having to hold this. I get hopefully reading glasses in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of strange passages in some of the, the prophetic um, books of the Old Testament. But one of the famous ones, and one of the ones I really enjoy, is in Zechariah chapter 3. There's a vision of something that's taken place in heaven regarding Joshua the high priest. And we're kind of led into that vision. And he says this, Zechariah writes this, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan was standing at his right side, the position of power, the position of authority. He was standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Anybody here burning sticks snatched from the fire? I'm among them. He's saying this, this man, this man named Joshua, he is a trophy of my grace. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes. The idea in the Hebrew was clothes smeared with excrement. As he stood before the angel, 
talking about feeling exposed. In every way, he was beat up. But watch what happens. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin. And there is more here. He said, I will put on you rich garments. Rich garments that were crafted by God. And then I said, put on a clean turban on his head. So he put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. That is a picture, folks, of what Christ has done for us. We are sticks snatched from the fire. And that is a prophetic picture of what Christ was going to do at that point in time, but what Christ has come and done for us. And this is what we celebrate this morning, that we are holy and dearly beloved. We have been declared by God to be His sons and His daughters. Yeah, you can clap. That is who we are. We are not what we do, but we are who He says we are. And He can say these things about us and declare these things to be true about us because of what Christ did for us. And that is what we are, we are celebrating this morning.